Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Weather officials are still warning of flooding around the state because of the rain. And perhaps no place has been hit harder by flooding this time around than Pajaro, an unincorporated community in Monterey County. Pajaro is home to thousands of farm workers, many of whom are undocumented and low income. And now they and their families have lost their homes and livelihoods. I don't believe I've ever seen that many people just at such a loss. If the Pajaro Valley were a county, it would rank fifth in agricultural production in California. But many of those crops and the people tending to them are dealing with mass flooding and little relief in sight. And we have a lot of undocumented farm workers. They don't qualify for unemployment insurance. They don't qualify for FEMA assistance. They are going to be and have been the hardest hit with the last set of storms and the ones happening now. Today, the scene in Pajaro Valley. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Tell me a little bit about Pajaro. Where exactly is it located? So the Pajaro River hits the coast a little bit south of Santa Cruz. Catherine Monahan is a reporter for KQED. On its north side is Watsonville, which is part of Santa Cruz County. Immediately on its south side is Pajaro, which is part of Monterey County. And it's small. It's a small town. It's not actually a town. It's an unincorporated region of Watsonville. And there are about 3,000 people living there, primarily Latino farm workers, The average income there per capita is about $15,000 a year. About a third of the population is kids. Mm. And what are they growing out there in Pajaro exactly? A lot of strawberries, uh, lettuce, also flowers and some broccoli. According to the census, the average travel time to work is about 25 minutes. So some people definitely do work right in the nearby fields. Other people might be going more towards like agricultural fields closer to Salinas. But as you know, that region is also flooding. Tell me about the drive into Pajaro. I headed out there Saturday morning 
I'm driving into a river valley, so the land is just getting flatter and flatter. And I was listening to the radio, and as I approached, it was more and more Spanish-speaking stations. As I got closer and closer, there were more blocked roads. I was getting turned around and having to try different routes. Eventually I had to go through Castroville. Was able to get up the one. Of course, now the one is closed. It was one of those moments where like Google can't tell you what's going on because things are just happening too fast. Like nobody knows what's going on. You know, you don't really know which roads are going to work or what. And eventually, eventually get into Watsonville. Um, Pajaro itself, of course, was totally closed. What did it look like when you were there? The first thing I saw was the river. I was only able to approach from the Watsonville side, and the river was just hundreds of feet wide. It's brown. It's just gushing. There's, like, trees halfway underwater in the middle of it and debris kind of strewn along the banks. There were families standing along the river just looking across at, you know, at their houses, at their, at their home. And then they were at the bridge, but they're not permitted to cross the bridge. So there was a police line like halfway across the bridge in yellow tape. I was able to, to continue, you know, because I had a press pass and so going down into the town, it's just, yeah, it's, it's fairly calm. The water's not like jumping around in the town. It looks basically just like a lake with like houses sticking out of it. Sara Lopez was standing by the river with her friend and just kind of trying to see what was going on with their house. She was evacuated in the early hours of Saturday morning, about 12.30 in the morning, she said. But then at around 3 o'clock, the water was up. And the police and the firefighters came through and were telling everybody, like, you got to go, you got to go now, the water is coming. At that point, the rescues were taking place in boats and the... Law enforcement and rescue personnel had to access people by boat. But a lot of people didn't want to leave. They didn't want to go. Well, I want to talk about what happened, Catherine. We're talking after another round of atmospheric rivers across the state of California. And late last Friday is when the town of Pajaro started flooding. How did that happen? So there's a levee on either side of the river. Again, this is a river valley. It's worth noting that both Pajaro and Watsonville are built on a floodplain. And so the river is, is confined by these levees that the Army Corps of Engineers put in way back in 1949. So the levee right upstream from Pajaro on the Pajaro side broke and water from the river just entered and basically turned the town into a lake. And this is actually a town that has flooded before, right? Yeah, a few times. There was a major flood in 1995. Two people died. Again, that was a levee breach. First, I believe the river just straight up overflowed, but then the levee broke as well. And as I uh, understand it, too, 
there have actually been problems with identified with this levy that kind of haven't really been addressed. Is that right? It was clear going back some decades, but certainly after 95, that the upgrades were needed. However, the funding didn't come through for a long time. The cost-benefit analysis determined that it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't very high property value that they were protecting effectively. And then finally, the funding was allocated just in the last few years, and the construction was scheduled to begin next year. So it's awful timing. These problems with the Pajaro River levee weren't a secret. And the levee's failures this time around is a result of decades of inaction by people who were aware of the levee's vulnerabilities. Interviews and records obtained by the LA Times found officials knew about these vulnerabilities, but decided not to address these problems because it didn't make financial sense to protect the low-income area. One official was even quoted as saying, you basically get Bay Area construction costs, but the value of the property isn't all that high. Now, some of the most vulnerable people in our state are left to pick up the pieces. I want to talk now about sort of the damage and what kind of comes out of this from here. I know you also talked with a resident named Ramiro. Can you introduce me to him and and tell me a little bit about what he's going through right now? Ramiro Ortiz Calderon, he was there with his wife and his daughter, and they were standing by the river. And he is an agricultural worker. That's the family's livelihood. You know, that's how they sustain. And he was talking about how just how the how the season is is ruined i mean that's it este año va a ser una pérdida totalmente en la agricultura porque de por sí está atrasado el trabajo y con todo esto va a haber mucha contaminación en los productos his house is underwater his car as well se me quedó otro adentro y y pues sí nos va a afectar mucho he was afraid that people were going to come and and loot um, the town entonces va a ser una baja para todo el agricultor para todos los it was tough. It was really tough talking with them. They were kind of trying to be hopeful or at least be composed, but Ramiro's outlook was, was very bleak. After speaking with people along the river, I, you know, I had to follow the story. I had to go and find a place to to send in the sound files and such. So I was at the Castroville Starbucks and people were just kind of wandering in with like a garbage bag in one hand. You know, I think like whatever they were able to salvage and yeah, just looking really dazed. Mm. Just looking for a place to be for a little bit. Yeah. This is a town of mainly undocumented and low-income farm workers. What factor is that going to play in terms of the, the impact of this flood? Well, as we mentioned, a lot of people are depending on the agricultural output for their sustenance. And that it is being said with certainty that there will be huge losses. 
Another issue is that many of the residents are undocumented and therefore cannot apply for aid from FEMA. They are going to be and have been the hardest hit with the last set of storms and the ones happening now. I spoke with Luis Alejo. Monterey County Supervisor Luis Alejo. He said that it's just going to be really hard on people because of it being a low-income community, because of it being so dependent on farm work. Food that would otherwise be grown and harvested will not be available. And also the, the thousands of jobs that would be available f- to farm workers will not be available. And he talked also about resources, how just how the county is really overstretched right now and the region is overstretched with additional flooding in other areas. A lot of the rescue personnel who were deployed on Saturday were having to leave and go to Arroyo Seco, go towards uh, Salinas and stuff. So it was just hard to try to get enough staff for the shelters. Because they need um, health services, they need nurses, uh, and they just need to uh, make sure we have the security there for residents um, willing to come in. We have a lot of undocumented farm workers. They don't qualify for unemployment insurance. They don't qualify for FEMA assistance. They are going to be and have been the hardest hit with the last set of storms and the ones happening now. Where are people like Ramiro and his family going? Do they have a place to stay? So people I talked with were staying with family, had family in the area. There are also several evacuation shelters. It looks like at the moment there are still several hundred people at the Santa Cruz Fairgrounds. There's the Castroville Recreation Center. So those are being utilized Thank you for going out there and gathering those stories and for sharing it with us, Catherine. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Last night, Monterey County Supervisor Luis Alejo announced that the state contractor was on the verge of closing the levee breach at the Pajaro River after the breach had grown to nearly 400 feet wide earlier in the day. In a tweet, he said the work that crews were doing is, quote, helping redirect floodwaters back into the river and that this would make a significant difference. That was Catherine Monahan, a reporter with KQED. We have some links on how to help Pajaro families in our show notes. This 22-minute conversation with Catherine was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montesilio. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this episode and added all the tape. Our intern is Jalen Herdman. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.